They hit him on the head. They hit an, an older man with a stick on the head. And they run away. And nobody does anything, as you can see, except for Dunn. Dunn That's what it Dunn. sounded like when Liat Lev Ari watched in horror from her office window in Montreal last week while a Jewish man carrying an Israeli flag was being attacked by two men in broad daylight on a sidewalk right across the street. The Montreal notary began filming it on her phone while her husband, Dan Goldstein, leapt into action, dashed out of their law office, ran downstairs to the street and yelled at the top of his lungs. And then he chased the attackers. But by this point, they'd started running away. In the aftermath, they gave first aid to the victim, who'd been hit on the head with a stick, and waited for help to arrive. This all happened just minutes after Montreal's Jewish community had gathered in a nearby park to mark Israel's Independence Day. For the Goldsteins, who are both descendants of Holocaust survivors, the rise in anti-Israel sentiment worldwide hit home in a way they never expected. I didn't. I, I thought it was all about the flag, but then it became clear to me that if they could kill him, they would. If they could, and, and what bothered me the most, other than this hate crime that was really senseless and unnecessary, is that so many people were around and nobody did anything. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, May the 10th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. It's now been a few days since the Goldsteins witnessed the whole thing, and they're still processing what happened, since it turns out they knew the victim. He doesn't want his name used, and he declined to be interviewed on the advice of his legal team. He's okay, just very shaken up. Meanwhile, the Montreal police say they've got the Goldsteins video, and the hate crimes unit is investigating. To date, there have been no new developments, no arrests, and they do want to hear from a good Samaritan who did intervene before Goldstein got there and tried to stop the attackers. This man, too, was beaten but left the scene shortly after. Coming up, the Goldsteins will walk us through what happened. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Sharon Hampson, Sharon of Sharon, Lois and Bram, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Ottawa is unveiling the mystery behind a special Torah scroll that has spent a quarter century at the library inside the Soloway Jewish Community Centre. The Torah scroll is one of over a thousand scrolls from the Holocaust, which the Nazis looted from Jewish communities during the Second World War, but then actually saved these on orders from Hitler in Prague, now in the Czech Republic. Many years later, these scrolls were brought to England and are now loaned out permanently to congregations around the world. But the new librarian at the JCC says she wasn't aware of the background, so she's organized a series of webinars with a scribe who restores the scrolls and with the Memorial Trust, which keeps track of all of them. In Canada, there are about a dozen of these Czech Holocaust scrolls at synagogues, including at Vancouver's Temple Shalom, in Kingston's Ir HaMelech, and at the Adath Israel in Toronto. And we've put more information in a link in our show notes. And now, please stay tuned for this important message. From award-winning journalist Marsha Lederman comes Kiss the Red Stairs, a compelling memoir of Holocaust survival, intergenerational trauma, divorce, and discovery that will guide readers through several lifetimes of monumental change. Marsha was five when a simple question led to a horrifying answer. She asked her mother why she didn't have any grandparents. Her mother told her the truth, the Holocaust. Decades later, her parents dead and herself a mother to a young son, Marsha begins to wonder how much history has shaped her own life. Reeling in the wake of a divorce, she craves her parents' help. But in their absence, she is gripped by a need to understand the trauma they suffered, and she begins her own journey into the past to tell her family stories of loss and resilience. 
Kiss the Red Stairs. Available now wherever books are sold. And joining me now from Montreal are Liat Lev-Ari and Dan Goldstein. How have you been able to sort of deal with it in the, in the last few days? You know, there was kind of a deluge in terms of coverage that none of us really expected when, well, at a minimum when we saw the incident and then when we reported it or, or released the footage on Facebook. The frustration actually comes from a weird place because when I sit and I review the footage and, you know, from a technical perspective, what somebody's supposed to do in a situation like that, you know, my mind knows I almost did it uh, in a textbook way. But when I look at it, all that I'm thinking about is, oh, maybe had I done it differently, we could have had a different, better outcome. And so I, I remember just running, you know, bolting out the door, the elevators there. I remember saying to myself, no, elevators too long. Uh, take the stairs. I get to the stairs. I'm at the entrance to the building. I burst through and I shout there, at the top of my lungs, they're assaulting this man. Somebody call the police. And I knew that you make a lot of noise and assailant is going to start running away. And that's the exact moment they, uh, they, they took flight and started running. And you see in the video, I'm the guy in the, the black and, and yellow tracksuit uh, running. I'm running after them. But of course, to get to them, at, by that point, I had to cross St. Catherine Street, which isn't the uh, street with the least amount of traffic. And yeah, and we, we called the police. Uh, there, I, I guess we could we did what one could say was administer first aid uh, in that we looked him over. There was a little blood on one of his uh, on, on one of his cheeks. He asked for for an ice pack because he had a, a bump on it on his head that you can see. Um, but where I was going with all of this is in terms of looking at the footage. And now we're a couple of days later. It's, you know, the right thing to do was to go in and do whatever it takes to chase them off because I'm not going to take on these these two 20-year-olds who are 30 years my junior. But you're sitting and you're looking at it and you're saying, well, had I gone in more stealthily, quieter, could I have, you know, uh, could I have taken him from behind unexpectedly? And, and it's like, it's, it just keeps on going on in your mind. Could you have done something more? And it's it, it makes it difficult thinking that they just, they got away with this. <clears throat> so from my perspective, uh, I was yeah, very nervous for him to go down, but not because I did not want him to help. We both of us are the kind of people who jump in head first and we get reproached uh, for it all the time because we have four young children and people say, you don't think about your children. You can do something to yourselves and, and what will happen then. But oh, we don't care. We, we've been like that always and uh, we will continue to be like that. So Dan has military training and I have police training and we're both uh, but I, what he missed when I was taking the video is that one of the younger guys uh, bent over and took something that later I didn't know if, if it was a rock or a stick, but he hit him in the head and you can hear my gasping at the video. So I, I, I do want to say that I don't think as a general rule, people know how to respond in these situations. I don't think it was bad faith. I don't necessarily think it was indifference with respect to a lot of the people. I do know that there was another call that was made to the police. So somebody else did report it. And of course, we see this other person physically intervening uh, and, and then getting whacked with the stick a few times. So somebody put somebody else did put himself in, in harm's way for the sake of rescuing uh, the the person with the flag. Mm -hmm. And were you physically at all hurt, uh, Dan? No, I, I mean, all that hurt is is I'm 48. I'm out of shape. 
I, I'd had COVID 16 days before and I was absolutely wrecked. Yeah, I was for two days, I couldn't breathe. But uh, we are just very grateful that it ended like that because it could have been very different. But so I tell I do, me, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I, I, just there, there are a, a bunch of media outlets that have asked me uh, questions. And there's one thing I've almost been disappointed that hasn't been asked of me. How did the fact that, that this was an anti-Semitic hate crime going on uh, underneath me affect me in all of this? And obviously... I was getting the, there. <laughs> oh, you were. So ask the I question. Was getting there. It's fine. I mean, this is Canadian Jewish news, right? So we're getting right. there. <laughs> and, and, and because obviously it does affect me very differently when I see a Jewish hate crime. My, my mother's family was from Poland. Uh, I'm the product on that side of a second family. My grandfather lost his first family. Uh, on the other side, where we're from Belarus and, and Ukraine, basically uh, there were three generations where there were only women in the house because the men had all died in, in anti-Semitic uh, okay. incidents. Pogroms. My grandfather, pogroms, uh, not always pogroms, but Forms two of the two, two of the three. Uh, my my grandfather was effectively the first husband to to have lived out his natural life, and and so it affects you in that regard. But at the same time, you know, had we witnessed any type of crime being committed down there, we wouldn't have reacted any differently. Had two people been assaulting somebody carrying a Palestinian flag, we would have been down there. We would have been recording it just the same because there's no place for these random acts of violence with for people simply identifying with, with some kind of ethnicity or nationality. I also am a granddaughter of Holocaust survivors. And for us to be put in this situation is very bad all the way, but especially now it was around Yom HaShoah. Uh, our daughter uh, has a podcast that she started last week about uh, interviewing Holocaust survivors. It's last very, year. We live in this house daily with Holocaust stories from her podcast. And it's just it's just shaking us to the core that those and the, all those people that they say we we were experienced anti-Semitic attack and people told me go to the other side because you're Jew and like we we live it and relive it every day and to see that somebody's attacked for just carrying peacefully a rolled uh, Israeli I, flag I uh, it was just beyond really beyond and was anything Jewish or anti-Semitic said or was it not Clear. Not as far as we know. We I think know. it was just done nous le drapeau. And what do your kids think about this? What's the reaction been among your community and your, your family? So our, our children were very scared to hear that. Uh, first of all, that it's happened and if everything is okay and everybody's okay. They're not surprised that we're jumping in because like I told you earlier, we always jump into any situation and they're used to it. Uh, but uh, we don't want to let uh, hatred uh, go unnoticed. We don't want to let uh, hate crimes against Jewish community unnoticed. Uh, we're not going to sit uh, like bystanders on the side and not do anything for us. This is our moral obligation. This is our legal obligation and our civic obligation. However, I think there's an interesting story to tell. Yesterday, my daughter uh, celebrated her birthday and she invited a whole bunch of friends downtown to eat in a restaurant. And as she's getting herself all prepared, she's putting on her Magen David. And Liat says to her, I'm not so sure you should be wearing a Magen David if you're going downtown. And I said to her, after what happened, you put it on. But if anybody tries to grab it from you, you just let them take it, which is what you should always do in those situations. Give them what they want and run away. I'm, I'm just happy nothing happened to anybody else. 
and uh, it was okay. This happened in France. This happened elsewhere. It doesn't happen in Canada. And now we're exactly. done. Exactly. And, and I don't, want, all I don't want Canada to become France. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Liat and Dan Goldstein's daughter, Eliane Goldstein. It's her 14th birthday, and it also marks a full year that she's been doing a podcast interviewing Holocaust survivors. It all started as a bat mitzvah project, and now she's done 46 episodes. So we'll end the show with a clip from her latest, and we put a link to follow her in our show notes. Hi, my name is Eliane Goldstein, and you're listening to The Effect on Us. When I went downstairs to play with the kids with whom I'd played all my life, all of a sudden they're calling me a dirty little Jew and to walk in the sidewalk where I belong. This episode has been brought to you by Looking Back, Moving Forward, 160 Years of Jewish Life in B.C. Published by the Jewish Museum and Archives of British Columbia for their 50th anniversary, this elegant volume is a once-in-a-generation collection of Jewish life and history throughout the province. Order your copy today at jewishmuseum.ca.